Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Michelle Martin. Welcome to Your Money. Breaking news this morning. The Monetary Authority of Singapore is making a, quote, preemptive adjustment in monetary policy as inflation is on the rise. Highest rates in eight years. Ryan, what do we know and what action is MAS taking? Yeah, so here you have a bit of a surprise this morning, and it's all about stepping make, or making steps ahead of potential inflation just going higher. So here you have a preemptive adjustment in the MES's monetary policy stance. So it's all around what's coming up with the Fed's move later this week and also the latest reading on the inflation data that came through yesterday for the December headline numbers. So let's take a look at what the MS has done. It says it will slightly raise the rate of appreciation of of its monetary policy band given the risks of higher core inflation in the near term. There will be no change to the width and the level at which the Singapore dollar's nominal effective exchange rate policy band is centered. So effectively, this is the second time in a row it has tightened policy. The first time was back in October, which by itself was also a surprise for market watchers. And that was a preemptive move as well, ahead of all these inflationary pressures that has actually materialized. And now it's it's thinking that maybe there could be more to come. And it also, if you look at what happened in October, was the first policy tightening move since 2018. So you've got more central banks starting to think about normalizing policy. We've seen a few around the world, New Zealand, the Fed, of course, and the UK. And with the Fed about to take action this week, I think it's something they have considered as well that all central banks are starting to feel the pressure of having to move in lockstep with the Fed's moves. So it's a bit of a I guess reaction as well or response to the latest data we got yesterday where we saw an eight-year high for the headline inflation for December, 4%. So it is something they are trying to do to help um, with the inflationary pressures and how that might then mean a weaker sing dollar in time if they don't do anything. Ryan, it seems the MAS is getting a bit ahead of the Fed. What impact will this move have on the sing dollar? If you can just elaborate on that. And do we have an indication of just how much interest rates will rise as a result of the MAS move? Okay, so if you look at what happens with um, currency moves, it's all relative, right? What another currency is worth is then compared to yours. And in this case, if you compare it to the Fed or the US dollar, uh, that is expected to see some support coming through with rate hikes coming along with um, the 2022 forecasted four, five or three, according to who you ask. So that will mean possibly a stronger US dollar. And whether that is stronger, other currencies on a relative basis, will be weaker. So this is where I think the Singapore authorities are thinking it needs to do some adjustments to be in line with what's happening around the world so it can be moving relatively at the same pace. At the same time, you've got Singapore's central bank forecasting higher inflation this year. So it is now forecasting for core inflation to come in at 2 to 3%. That's up from 1% to 2% just for months ago. So that is something um, that is starting to worry market watchers and central banks enough for them to take action preemptively. You have to also remember that the central bank only makes policy moves typically in October and in April. So now this January meeting is just a bit of out of cycle. 
He's Ryan Wang. I'm Michelle Martin. Good morning. This is Market View right here on the show Your Money. Let's take a step back and survey markets in the region. Asia Pacific markets are in the red this morning. They're following a roller coaster of a ride on Wall Street overnight. Sydney down more than 2%. Tokyo and Seoul are both off more than 1%. Ryan, if you looked at the market headlines before you went to bed last yeah. night and then again this morning, you would have two very different stories. It was a roller coaster ride of a session on Wall Street overnight, a sharp sell-off at the start that saw the Dow falling more than 600 points, followed by a rally that brought the index into positive territory. Market Watch calls it, quote, a turnaround for the ages. The S&P 500 and Nasdaq enjoying their largest comeback since the 2008 financial crisis. By the time the closing bell sounded, the Nasdaq finished up two-thirds of a percent. The Dow and S&P 500 closed up nearly 0.3%. So there are a lot of potentially negative stories overhanging the market. But since U.S. stocks ended on a positive note, let's focus on the positive. There are several potential bright spots for investors. And here are three. The economy, corporate earnings, and yes, even the pandemic. We're going to take a look at each each one in turn starting with the economy. So there are concerns about inflation and possibly slowing growth, but some economic indicators are looking quite good, right, Ryan? Which ones? Yeah, if you look at the US at least, the health of the economy is looking good based on the data around unemployment. So that has fallen to 3.9% after a record year of non-farm payrolls growth. And if you look at what's been happening, the labour market has been quite tight, so much so that they have had to raise wages to attract workers. And part of that has been a slew of factors, just people not going back into the workforce um, as much as they wanted to, uh, just different priorities now after COVID-19, some of them due to the lack of childcare, mm-hmm. some of them due to just retiring, uh, some just um, taking it easy. So a slew of factors just reducing the workforce to some extent in the US and that's contributing to uh, the unemployment rate going down. Next up, corporate earnings. Earnings season is underway and so far nearly three quarters of companies reporting have posted results at top expectations. The latest and highest profile example of this is IBM, the tech giant posting its best sales growth in a decade. It sold more than 16 billion US dollars worth of goods and services in the fourth quarter of the year. So it looks like IBM CEO Arvind Krishna's efforts to transform the 110-year-old computer maker are bearing fruit. How so and where is IBM sales growth occurring? Yeah, I've been tracking IBM in the past few years. It's been bad news after quarter after quarter. But Mm. now it looks like things may actually be turning the corner. So you've got IBM posting sales growth in the the best in 10 years. And this is on the back of cloud demand. And a couple of things to take note of here. And this is the first quarter that it is reporting numbers after it spun off. It's a legacy unit into what's called Kindrel. So that is now not reflected in the latest quarter. So it does reflect more of the growth in cloud computing. So if you look at what growth it had, sales rose 6.5% to $16.7 billion. That is for the quarter ended December. That is the biggest increase in at least 10 years, above expectations of $16 billion. And the stock did pretty much um, as what you expect after a blockbuster set of results. It jumped 7.5% uh, before giving up most of those gains. So you've got IBM looking like they are turning the corner. All right, next up on our Bright Spot Outlook report, we have 
The pandemic, that is an odd sentence I never thought I'd say. But tell us, Ryan, how are COVID-19 cases possibly a bright spot? If you look at the number of cases, that seems to be coming down, at least in the US and mm. maybe much more so in the New York state. And this, according to Governor Kathy Hochul, uh, COVID-19 cases have been coming down in that state. So this is, of course, off the back of a uh, a spike in the number of cases when you had Omicron being highly transmissible, just adding on to the numbers dramatically. So now it seems to have tapered off and New York State, at least, is hoping that other areas of the U.S., can start to see a quickly similar wave of things moderating. Let's hope this trend downward definitely continues. Now, it's not all bright spots on the market, of course, and one dark cloud that we haven't discussed a lot is geopolitical. It is a potential invasion of the Ukraine by Russia. Russia's been amassing troops along Ukraine's border. The U.S. has begun evacuating non-essential staff from its embassy in Kiev, Right. Why are markets concerned about this? It seems like something perhaps so far removed from U.S. and Asian equities. Yeah, it's all around geopolitics. You've got a bit of a standoff happening there with a potential escalation. And you've got Russia in the middle. Also, the U.S. now trying to drum up support among its allies in the West. And what's in focus here is what that might mean in terms of jitters for both the stock market and the energy market. So, This is important because um, a lot of the gas flows through Europe, goes through Russia and the Ukraine. So if there is going to be any uncertainty for whatever reason, uh, that could mean the market adding more premium or pricing in a higher premium for the energy prices in Europe, gas prices, LNG and everything else. So if prices go up, you can imagine what happened next. It could hurt the business recovery, the economy coming back, and that could have ripple effects along the way. Um, so something to look out for. And also, if you look at what's happening, a lot of um, flows into safe haven assets in recent days off the back of what's happening in Ukraine. So mm. the US dollar and the Japanese yen gaining ground. And that could mean also people staying away from the riskier assets. You're talking about crypto the growth names. So that is already under pressure when you look at what's happening this week, the Fed, when they might be talking about tightening policy. So quite a bad week being set up for high growth um, stocks and riskier assets. So something to keep in watch as we see this um, saga unfold. One of the most direct impacts, as you mentioned, could be on the price of oil and gas. The US and Europe might boycott Russian sales or Moscow could turn off the taps in retaliation at U.S. sanctions. Either way, that could cause fuel prices to jump. Let's bring the conversation to Singapore now. And for this, I want to go back to COVID normalization as a theme for a moment because there is some good news here as well. For the first time in two years, travel restrictions between Singapore and Batam and Bintan are being lifted. It's not quite as simple as just booking a ferry ticket as you would in the old days for, say, 24 Those hours. Those days. Yeah, or two days. But still, the borders are opening. So tell us more. Yeah, so some good news for travellers. Maybe you can make some plans beyond Sentosa now. (laughs) Bintan and Batam, add that to your list because um, plans are in place and in motion to reopen their shores for leisure travellers from Singapore. So it's all part of a wider approach to hopefully get some form of a travel bubble happening. So under the arrangement, travellers from Singapore can enter Indonesia via Nongsapura Ferry Terminal in Batam and in Bintan, the Banda Bentan Telani Ferry Terminal. So any or all travellers must be fully vaccinated and must have stayed in Singapore for at least 
14 days prior to arrival. And of course, uh, you must show that you are negative on the PCR tests within three days of leaving Singapore. So it's worth noting as well, there's an, uh, a meeting going on between Singapore's Prime Minister, Lee Hsien Long and Indonesian President Joko Widodo today. So maybe even more good news to expect in terms of collaborations, in terms of travel arrangements to watch out for. So really, uh, our Prime Minister is one of the first Singaporeans to go to Bintan for this in-person meeting with Indonesian President Joko Widodo. In fact, their first in-person meeting there in more than two years. Next up on the local front, REITs. Now, on the show yesterday, we talked about how ESR REIT has raised its offer price for ARA Logos Logistics Trust and forced a delay in this week's merger vote in the process. The result of that vote appeared to be in doubt following criticism of the deal by two financial advisory firms, Glass Lewis and Institutional Shareholder Services. They raise questions about the process in which the proposed merger was put together as well as the offer price. Now ESR REIT and ALOG are hitting back. How so? What do the managers of the two REITs have to say? Yeah, so it is going to what you expect, you know, the proposal or proposers of the merger hitting back at criticism. So let's dive into the crux of the matter here. So you've got two proxy companies uh, or proxy advisory companies you know, recommending the investors vote against it and you pointed out it's because of the process. And so what's wrong with the process? Mm-hmm. So here's where they say it's not as transparent as they hoped it to be. And part of the reason is because um, for example, Class Lewis noted that ARA Logistics Trust has not publicly disclosed any substantive information regarding the process that was followed to arrive at the proposed merger. And you have ISS calling the process surrounding the related party deal questionable uh, because what they say, a robust sales process would offer comfort to unit holders that you've got alternatives being evaluated and then deemed inferior, you know, a process of elimination. Mm-hmm. So choosing the best one of the whole lot. So that wasn't clear in terms of disclosure. So that's something they were not comfortable with. And that's why you've got a bit of disagreement here with them recommending against it. Uh, so here you now have the reaction from ARA Logistics Trust Manager, CEO Karen Lee says, whatever has been said has been grossly unfair. Um, she says, you no, know, there's been a lot of focus being put around uh, the process, but she says the read needs to emphasize and make it very clear that they have been as transparent as they can be and any comments made have been unfair. The merger is a strategic collaborative process between two like-minded entities to maximize future value upside. But beyond that, they say they can't say much more than that mm-hmm. due to their own contractual reasons. So, that is something that is for investors to chew on. No? Uh, look at the numbers, if it makes sense or not to you, um, because mm-hmm. everyone has a different interpretation yeah. of what is good or what is um, something valuable. Subjective. ESR REIT's cash and units offer for ALOG is valued at around 93 cents per unit. So Ryan, how did ALOG and ESR REIT unit holders react to the new terms during trading yesterday? Yeah, so you have, like we expected, A-Log units doing well. So that is off the back of the sweetened offer. And we talked about how the cash portion was improved by 2.1% and the uh, unit portion improving by around 5%. So A-Log trust units improving. And we have on the flip side, ESR, I think under pressure yesterday. 
Alright, now it's time for our game Up or Down where we open our books Ryan and I, that is and uh, we see where these particular themes are heading to. I'm going to break this into two parts. The first is macro and the second relates to corporate news. Are you ready, Ryan? Let's go. Inflation in Singapore. Okay, that is up and inflation hitting way up an eight-year high. So December headline numbers coming in at 4%. So this driven by spikes in private transport, energy and food. Yep, in headline inflation jumping uh, to a levels that are higher than expected, 4% in December. And as we noted at the top of this show, it is leading MAS to tighten monetary policy. Next, let's look at local hotel revenues. Not a great year for hotels. And if you look at what happened in 2021, it's down. Revenue was down 20.9%, even though we had some folks going for staycations that's not been enough um, Mm. because of the occupancy as well as prices just not being where they are used to even despite a pretty good December for some hotels, uh, local hotel revenues are down last year, 21% compared with 2020. Singapore's budget surplus or deficit? Now, this really is a crystal ball question. What are we expecting for the next budget? Okay, so if you look at what we are watching out for in the Singapore budget, it's been described as one that will start to build up the coffers and lay the foundations of the years to come for a more stable financial approach for Singapore's economy. So in effect, it's trying to put money back where we've been spending over the past few years for stimulus measures. So we might be seeing less of the bazooka measures we've been seeing in the past few years. In turn, we could start to see this as a um, surplus Mm. in the coming budget rather than what we've been seeing in the past few years, a deficit. So I will go with up. Yeah, analysts are expecting that Singapore's budget will swing back into surplus this year. And now, time for part two. It's our corporate edition of Up or Down. Let's look at Fraser's Logistics and Commercial Trust. Okay, FLCT. Um, that's in the news because it's divesting Cross Street Exchange for $810.8 million. So that is going to be good news because it will mean it can recycle those proceeds to other investments. I like that mall. hope things don't change for it. So I'm going with up FLCT selling off its remaining interest in a property on Cross Street and doing so at a premium of more than 28%. Uh, next, let's look at Olam. All right, Olam is pricing its private placement and that was worth $275 million. So this will be priced at a coupon of 3.05% for its five-year fixed rate notes and for the seven-year fixed rate notes, 3.25%. So that is the latest on Olam. It is indeed. Depends on how you look at this one. I'll go with up as well because Olam is raising such a large amount, 275 million US dollars in that private placement. Let's look now at uh, Parkway Life Read. All right, Parkway Life Read is going to be an up for me because they have put out their highest ever DPU, 14.08 cents in the financial year 2021. So that's up 2.1% from the year before. So it's going well for Parkway Life Reach. Yeah, I'm going to go with up as well. Um, but with a proviso, up by, but not as much, but not by much. It's DPU 2% higher than a year ago. So finally, Capital DC REIT, Ryan. Okay, Capital DC REIT, that is going to be up for me because the DPU is higher by 2.8% for its second half of FY2021 at 
4.927 cents. Good news for Keppel DC REIT unit holders. All right, let's check in on the markets now. We're 25 minutes into the local trading day. The Straits Times Index dropped one-third of a percent yesterday to 32.83. Gunting Singapore let the blue chip index lower. On the broader market, there were twice as many decliners as advances. Let's take a look at what's happening here in Singapore. How's the SDI trading this morning? And is it recouping any of those losses or is selling pressure kicking in again? I'm afraid it is right on the screen. So it's continuing where it left off pretty much for Asia, actually. So all down for Asia, including the STI. And that is lower by 1% so far. 3,248 points. Uh, If you look at what's happening on the STI 30 constituents, Mm -hmm. only one counter in the green, and that is Fraser's Logistics and Commercial Trust is now in the green by 0.7%. And just a reminder, it's in the news for divesting cross-street exchange for over $810 million. But otherwise, it's down for the... Other stocks on the SDI, right at the bottom, Yang Zhijiang Shipbuilding, lower by 3%. Capital DC REIT, down by 2.2%. Gunting Singapore, down by 2%. Um, perhaps a victim of the negative headlines around Gunting Hong Kong, uh, where its CEO has just resigned. And of course, it's going through the potential filing for liquidation, which has raised a lot of questions around its cruise operations, Dream Cruises in particular. Uh, So that is something to watch out for in the coming days. Uh, All three banks are down, and that is being led by uh, UOB, down 1.6%, followed by the likes of SATS, down by 1.5%. So the bulk of the STI constituents are down by nearly 1%. Thanks very much, Ryan Huang. Coming up, a storied US blue chip that's shifting into cloud and artificial intelligence. That's coming up right here on the show. And in the 10 o'clock hour, I speak with Deborah Cunningham, Chief Investment Officer, Global Liquidity Markets at Federated Hermes. And we talk about her expectations for liquidity, greater global liquidity. What could that mean for sectors like technology and Asian shares? That's still to come. Before acting on on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.